Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white? And where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. And then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Let's pray together. Dear God in heaven, as we always do, we ask you to join us here this morning. And we do believe that you are a God who keeps his promises and that you are here with us. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I can't say please be seated. You're already seated. I'm now completely thrown off. I had a friend. I still have this friend, actually. I have a friend who, years ago, before either of us were ever in seminary, or really even considering it, um, he went on a missions trip to, uh, I think it was Uganda, in Africa. And um, he was picked up at the airport by the people on that end who were coordinating his trip. And um, as you do in Africa, they started out on regular roads that you and I are familiar with. And before too long, they were on gravel roads. And then a few hours later, they were on dirt roads. And then a little while after that, they were on no roads at all. And then they finally arrived where they were headed. And it turned out that the first place they were taking my friend, before anybody's home or before, you know, the bathroom, anywhere, the first place they went was to a funeral, an in-progress funeral. And so they roll up, and all of a sudden he's at this funeral, and person after person is standing up and eulogizing the deceased. And they're saying glowing and wonderful things about this man. And then, after this series of wonderful glowing eulogies, another man stands up and says, this man really hurt me. And I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly what was said, but the, the stark contrast was shocking to everyone. There was sort of great eulogy after great eulogy, and then all of a sudden, somebody said, this man really hurt me. And then the person who was coordinating the trip leaned over to my friend and whispered in his ear and said, you're preaching. That's hilarious, by the way. My, my friend being told at that moment that he was in charge of giving the sermon at this funeral he had just arrived at, this man he'd never seen, met, or heard of, and into this incredibly awkward situation that had just happened after all of these wonderful eulogies, this sort of shocking, maybe this man wasn't as great as we all thought, and all of a sudden my friend hears this whisper, you're preaching. Now. And so what do you do? Well, I wasn't there, so I didn't have to worry about it. But um, this is the kind of, this is the reason that I'm always sort of nervous about those, um, what are they called? The, the um, living memorials? or They have a name. I know they do. Um, don't say it now. But um, tell me after. You know, um, the idea where you, you sort of act as though you're having a funeral while you're still alive so that you can be there while everybody says wonderful things about you? 
I've sort of always been intrigued by this, and I, I want to have one, but I'm terrified that I, that I invite the wrong person, and they say, you know, I didn't really like him. So um, I'm planning one for, like, Friday, I think, before I have too long to insult and hurt and, and ruin relationships. I'm going to do it early in life, I think, rather than late. But this is the danger, right? When, when you get people together to talk about somebody, the chances that somebody has been hurt are very high. Imagine that this is your funeral. Probably for each one of us here, there are dozens of people who would stand up and give glowing eulogies, say wonderful things about you. But can't you think of someone who might stand up at the end and say, you know, this person really hurt me. Don't we all have those regrets, those worries, those people in our lives that we just sort of didn't work out the way we'd hoped? We weren't able to be the person to them that we wished we could be, the kind of friend that we wanted to be. You might wonder why I'm thinking so much about funerals. Um, It's because our reading from Revelation is a classic funeral reading. I'm doing a funeral tomorrow in this very room, and we'll read this section of scripture from Revelation chapter 7. After this, I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And then one of the elders says, Who are all these people? And where did they come from? And then John, who's writing this, this vision that he's having, he says, Sir, you're the one who knows. And he says, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. And then we get this great vision of what, it, what is to come. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. One of the questions I get asked most often about my job is, how do I preach at a funeral for someone that I don't know? And almost every funeral I do is for someone I don't know. That's the advantage of being in your lower 30s, right? Um, You don't have too many close friends who are dying yet. That'll come. But for the most part, I'm preaching at funerals for people I don't know. Just like my friend in Africa. Right? Unlike my friend in Africa, mostly people in America reserve their resentments for somewhere other than the funeral. We have them, 
but we bury them down deep. In Africa, apparently, they let them right out on the surface. But the problem is the same. What do you say about someone? Now, my friend was presented with this situation where he knew that this man wasn't perfect. I assume that about each person that I'm doing a funeral for. You know what? I assume the same about you. This, the, the reason that I can say hopeful things at a funeral, uh, I can say, they will hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I can say hopeful things at a funeral for the same reason I can say hopeful things this morning to you. Who owns salvation? What is the throng singing as they gather around the throne? This multitude that no one could count from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages. They're standing around the throne of God and they're singing, Salvation belongs to our God. And how did their robes get white? You see, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. If my friend had preached at that African funeral and had to say, well, gosh, now that this last person has given the eulogy, I don't know where this man is going to end up. That's, a, that's not a hopeful message, right? When in... in um, where were we? Oh, yeah, in, the, uh, in John, when Jesus is asked, are you the Messiah? Tell us plainly. He says, I have told you plainly, but you don't believe because you're not one of my sheep. I read that and I get scared. Am I one of your sheep? I mean, I've got the right clothes on, right? Everybody else thinks I'm one of the sheep, but I'm not so sure. We're here in church on a Sunday morning. Everyone else thinks we're one of the sheep. But aren't we worried that if this was our funeral, somebody might say, She really hurt me. He really hurt me. How are our robes made white? Who owns salvation? The throng around the throne says salvation belongs to our God. Salvation is God's work. We are like that man in Africa. We all have people who would say about us, he really hurt me. And he hasn't apologized. She really hurt me. And she doesn't seem to care. This is the natural state of the human being. Praise God that this elder telling St. John doesn't say, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal and they have washed their robes because of their good deeds. They have washed their robes because we couldn't find anybody to say anything bad about them. They have washed their robes because their good deeds outweighed their bad deeds. He says, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. 
Salvation belongs to God. And God decided that because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us on the cross, that no more work needed to be done. Remember Jesus' last words. He said, it is finished. I was at a conference just yesterday, and the last speaker sort of sent us back into the world with this sentence. He says, Christians live under a banner that reads, it is finished. I'd take credit for that line, but I can't. Christians live under a banner that reads, it is finished. The work is done. And so, with all of our imperfect lives, despite the fact that each of us have people in our lives who would say, hey, he really hurt me, we can say we are not saved because we were good enough. Salvation does not belong to us. Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And I can say at a funeral for someone I don't know, and at a church service full of people like us, that we have in our future a place where we will hunger no more. We will thirst no more. The sun will not strike us, nor any scorching heat. The Lamb at the center of the throne will be our shepherd, and he will guide us to the springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Because it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how good you've been. It doesn't matter if we couldn't find anybody to say a bad word about you. What matters is that salvation belongs to God. And he has decided on account of Christ to give it to you. And Christians live under a banner that reads, It is finished. We are they who are still in the great ordeal. But it is finished from Jesus Christ means the same is true for us as it was for that great throng. Our robes have been washed and made white forever in the blood of the Lamb. Amen.